I want to thank you guys again for being here today. Today, this sermon is maybe a little bit of a weird sermon title for you. The title of it is Join the Experiment. And today what I'm asking everybody to do is to do exactly that, to join an experiment. It's one that I started a few months ago. And so to catch you up with where we're at today, I need to give some explanation. See, a couple of months ago on March 3rd, I taught a sermon, and at the end of that sermon, here's what I did. See, when everybody entered in that day through those doors to the auditorium, I had all the greeters standing there, and they were holding on to a ticket. And they would hand every single person that came in a ticket, and then they would hold the, the duplicate to it. And at the end of both services, the first service and the second service, I drew one ticket from a bucket. But before I did that, here's what I had done. I had coached every single person here in the room that when I, were to, when I drew that winning ticket, that number, if it wasn't their number, if it wasn't their number, they were to write it down, put it on their hand, put it on a bulletin, put it on their smartphone, doesn't matter. But they were to take that number and then they were to put that number someplace close by where they would see it as many times as they possibly could in the course of a day. And for one week, I wanted them to pray for the person whose number that was. And we did that in each service. Now, I had also coached the person whose winning ticket number it was not to jump around, not that, you know, that kind of thing, but to just be quiet, keep it to themselves, and then let me know. And the reason why I did that is I wanted to try an experiment. I wanted certain people to understand whether or not prayer works, whether or not praying for somebody works. Now, you have to keep something in mind here. Nobody knew who it was that they were praying for all that week. All they knew was a number, but God knew. And so I wanted to know whether or not, whether or not prayer works. So that was the experiment. And today, if you're here, obviously you are, you're going to get to see firsthand what that experiment was like. If you're listening on the radio program or you're watching online, well, you might just have to listen, but here's what I'm asking you to do today. I'm asking you to join that experiment and how we move forward from here. And I know that that's hard. I do. I know that it's hard. What I asked people to do back there on March 3rd was hard. What I'm asking people to do today is hard. Praying is not easy. And there's lots of reasons why we don't pray. I believe that one of the reasons why people don't pray is because prayer is a bit of a mystery to some people. They just don't understand how it works. You see, as a general rule, we as humans, if we don't understand something, we avoid it. If I don't understand how something works, the last thing I want to do is get right in the middle of it and then have it exposed that I'm a doofus. I don't know how this thing works, okay? So most of us, we don't mess with things that we don't know how they work, right? Maybe I'm the only one, right? Okay. All the rest of you are more bold than I am, apparently. But I think prayer can be a little bit of a mystery for some people. They really don't understand how it works. Let me give you an illustration. Let's take texting or email or Facebook as an example. These are all social media tools. They're, they're designed to keep people connected and, and, and staying fresh with what's going on in one another's world, one another's life. And everybody who utilizes these social media tools, that we all had to work through the initial mystery 
of what it means to use that. I remember going back years and years and years ago trying to figure out texting on my old Nokia phone. Well, here recently, my 70-plus-year-old father wanted to get connected with Facebook. He's never been on Facebook. He's afraid of the whole Internet thing. And so he gets the computer, and he gets the digital Internet at home, and he wants to get onto Facebook. Why? He wants to see pictures of the grandkids and communicate with everybody. And so it's my job to now sit down with my dad at his computer and help him to understand how to use Facebook, to demystify it, to take the mystery away. So when I sat down at my dad's computer, here's what I did not do. I did not try to explain computer science. I didn't try to explain cellular technology and satellites. I didn't mess with all of that. Why? Because understanding the technology behind it doesn't help my dad. What my dad needed to know was just basically, how do I put in a message in and hit send? That's it. That's all I want to know. That's pretty much what all of us want to know, right? And it's the same thing is true of prayer. How do I pray? How do I, how do, I do this? How do I put a message in and hit send to God? And that's... For a lot of people, they just don't know. It's not that they don't want to pray. It's hard because prayer is a bit of a mystery. And so today, if that's you, if I have just described you and you're like, dude, man, that's totally me. I don't get that. I don't get this whole prayer thing. It's not that I'm against it. I just don't know how. No one's ever taught me how. Well, today, you're blessed because I'm going to teach you how. It's very simple. Don't tune me out here real quick or you're going to miss it. It's that simple. Praying is talking to God and meaning it, period. It's just that simple, talking to God and meaning it. Now, some of you are like, what? 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 I'll, another illustration. Imagine you're a parent. Not every one of you are, but if you were, I think that you would be able to know, like most of us who are parents, the difference between when a child is giving you a genuine apology as opposed to just going through the motions. You ever figured that out yet? You know. And I'm not saying that prayer is, is all about giving an apology to God. I'm not. What I'm trying to do is just give an example of that when a parent sees a child giving a genuine apology, they see in it remorse. They see in it repentance. And the very same thing is true of God, that when you are offering a prayer to God, God knows what's going on in your heart. He knows what's going on. He gets it like a good parent knows about their child. He gets it. So that's what I'm trying to communicate is that you and God are the only ones who really know whether or not you're really genuinely praying, whether or not you're really talking to God and meaning it. And like most of us, we know when we're going through the motions and we know when we're genuine about something. And so if you, if you have been that kind of a person, you're like, dude, I don't know how to pray and here's, I just don't get it. Now you do. Talk to God and mean it. It's just that simple. You talk to God, he will respond. Now, there's another reason why people oftentimes don't pray. It's a little bit more serious. The reason why they don't talk to God is because they really don't believe that their prayers mean anything. In other words, they're powerless. They don't believe that there's any power in their prayer at all. And there's a variety of different reasons for that. For instance, some people believe that God only hears those who aren't the screw-ups and the sinners. God only hears good people. You know, the ones who get it all right and, and do the right things, go to church, know the songs, know the words, know the Bible verses and where they're found, know exactly what books of the Bible, you know, all that stuff, all the churchy kind of things. Some people believe that, you know, if you're a scumbag sinner, you're a loser, that God doesn't pay any attention to your prayers. It's not true. It's not true at all. In fact, if that's you, if I've just described you and you're thinking that way, your idea of God is that God only listens to you when you're all right, I've got some amazing news for you. In fact, oftentimes it's referred to as the good news. It's the good news about Jesus. And I want you to hear it today, and I don't want you to miss it. 
And I honestly, as I prepared for this sermon, I scoured through all kinds of passages in the Bible that I thought might be able to sum up in a quick period of time what it is that the good news in the gospel is all about. And I found one particular verse in here that I just love. And the reason why I love it is because I love the fact that it actually expresses it from kind of a a corporate standpoint. Let me explain that. Now, the passage is going to be up on the scripture here, but I want to unpack this as we move through this, okay? Now, this is a a letter to the, the, the second letter from Paul, if you're not familiar with the Bible, from Paul to the church in Corinth. So his first letter was the first letter to the Corinthians, or first Corinthians. His second is the second letter to the church in Corinth, or the second Corinthians. And in this letter, this is what Paul says to them. Let me read this to you, and I'm going to unpack it a little bit as I do. It says this, for God was in Christ. In other words, he's speaking to people and he's saying, hey, this, this God that you're supposed to be praying to, this God that you're supposed to be in a relationship, he was in Christ and reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. In other words, he was making the world friendly. And, and he gave us this wonderful message. What? The message, the good news. This wonderful message of reconciliation. So we, and I imagine that in this room right now, that there are some of you who totally and completely agree with me. Dude, this is the best news. Come on, Matt, preach it. And I know that you're thinking it right now. Come on, Matt, tell these guys. I'm trying. I'm trying to tell them that this is the greatest news on earth, that God takes, it takes the world. He invests himself into his son, Jesus Christ, and as a direct result, he makes the world friendly with himself again. And the message of reconciliation is what we as believers, the people who are in this room with me right now, you agree with me that this message needs to be taught to those who don't understand this. And look what it is that we get to say. And so he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead And here's the thing that I wish that every single one of us who are believers in Jesus Christ could say in unison right now to those of you who still don't get this message. Come back to God. Come on back. You're wrong about our God. You're wrong about our God. He does not see your sin. You are spotless, you are holy, and you are blameless. You have been made right with God through Jesus Christ. That is the good news. If you are worried about whether or not that God sees your sin and therefore is ignoring your prayers, you have missed the most precious part of the entire good news, which is this. God doesn't see your sin anymore, any more than what he sees mine. I am not worried about whether or not God sees my sin and therefore doesn't answer my prayer. God does not see me as a sinner. God sees me as perfect. Even though you don't, even though I don't, God does. That's good news. Can I get an amen? That's the stuff. And so every single one of us who believe that in this room can say in unison to those of you who don't get that yet, come back to God. Come back to God. You're wrong about him. You can pray. He will listen and he will respond. Now, (laughs) tell you what, how he responds sometimes, though, leads to another issue. And that's, that's why some people also don't like to pray. See, They didn't see or hear the response from God they were looking for, and so they don't pray. I don't see you, but I know that there is someone who is sitting in this room right now who prayed, God, please don't let my mom and dad divorce. Please don't let my mom and dad divorce. Please, please, God, please don't let my mom and dad divorce. But they did. And your world got blown up. 
I know that someplace sitting in here is a person who prayed, God, please don't take my kid. Please don't let my child die. But God did take that kid, and that child did die. I know that there are a lot of people in this room who have prayed, and they have prayed, and they have prayed, and they have prayed, and they have prayed. God did not respond the way that they wanted to, and so they thought, what's the use, man? What's the point? What is the point of prayer in the first place? If God's so strong and God's so sovereign and God's going to do what he wants to do anyway, does it really even matter whether or not I pray? I mean, if it's already really been decided, when I pray and something happens that's good to my response, it was probably just God planning on doing that anyway. And if I prayed and he didn't give me the response because he really wasn't planning on doing it my way anyway, so it really doesn't make any difference whether or not I pray. God's going to do what God's going to do. It really doesn't matter anymore. Anybody else ever thought that besides me? About a dozen, that's it. The rest of you, I believe, are lying. (laughs) We've all been there, right? Even if you aren't there yet, you can get there if you start believing that kind of thinking. It's true. I grew up in the church. Man, I remember a sweet story of learning the power of prayer. I was 13 years old, and uh, my dad... Was in his early 40s. He, he lost his job due to corporate downsizing. And when he lost his job, I mean, he lost everything. He lost his company car. And so now he was jobless and without a car. He had to take care of a 16-year-old, me, a 13-year-old, and my little sister, a 10-year-old. And my mom, she was a stay-at-home mom, so he had to take care of a whole entire family. So what does he do? Well, he does what he can do. He lets the people at the church that we know, hey, here's my situation. Would you please pray? And he gathered all of us into a room, into our living room. And we sat down and my dad told the story. This is what's going on, guys. This is what's happening. And we all got down on our knees and we we knelt down and I buried my hands into my face and I began to pray. And I remember at 13 years of age going, man, I sure hope this works. I sure hope this works. First sign of prayer. Someone gave us a 1974 Oldsmobile Cutlass. We called it the smoke bomb because it burned oil so bad. Everywhere we went, there was this bluish haze following us. I mean, you'd get out of the car and you could wipe the smoke soot off of your body. It was, you're black and covered with it. But it ran. Someone gave us that car for free. I remember standing in the food bank line getting blocks of cheese and gallon jugs of honey, scraping by, cutting stuff out of school and the sports programs. Couldn't do it. We didn't have any money. One day we were coming home in a smoke bomb and we pulled into the driveway and I heard my mom go, (gasps) and I looked up and sitting on our little front porch were 13 paper grocery bags filled with food. Some of the best food that I had had in months. And I remember going through that and thinking to myself, man, prayer works. Yes. (laughs) Yes. 10 plus years later, I'm bearing my third and my fourth child miscarriage. My dream of being a daddy was dead again. And I'd lost the ability to believe in the power of prayer. I believed the lie that it really doesn't matter. God's going to do what God's going to do and it doesn't matter what I pray anymore and I stopped. I gave up. That was even after I had believed in the power of prayer. So I know what it's like, guys. I know what it's like and many of you are probably there right now. You're just You just don't know whether or not it really matters anymore, whether or not it really, really makes a difference whatsoever. I get it. You've got evidence. You've seen it in your life. You've seen it in other people's lives. You've got evidence. You've got evidence that tells you it really doesn't work. Prayer 
doesn't work. And you know what? Statistics, statistics match up. The statistics say that most of us who are in church don't pray, which means this. And I don't want to see a show of hands in here. But what it means is that there are probably many of you in here who have been guilty of at some point in time telling somebody, oh yeah, I'll, I'll pray for you. Oh yeah, of course, yeah, happy to pray for you, but we don't. We say that we will, but we don't. And if we do, it might be that little token prayer right there at the moment, and, and it may be no longer than about five seconds, so God help them, because I don't know what you're going to do, but you, boy, they need your help. <laughs> and that's it, that's all you gave it. And you're like, oh man, I sure hope that works. <laughs> In there. We don't pray. We have evidence that says it just doesn't work. And if it does work, it's for, that's for super Christians, the righteous ones. They'll make it work. And I don't know. You got your evidence. But what if? What if you're wrong? What if there's evidence you haven't seen yet? What if you've made your judgment way too early? And you haven't examined all that there is to examine. What if we were to do an experiment? What if I were to take a ticket and read that number off and nobody were to know who that person was in a first service and in a second service and I just asked everybody, would you please pray? And let's see. Let's see whether or not it makes a difference in that person's world. Let's see whether or not we can find some new evidence to look at. Well, I'd like to be able to tell you that story, but I think it would be a whole lot more effective if the two people who are the winning ticket holders told you their story in their own words. And so, take a look at this. I'm Kathy Wold, and I'm ticket number 560-464. I'm a mother of two. I have two girls, a four-year-old and a one-year-old. I also have a loving husband who I've been married to for almost six years. I work in the neonatal intensive care unit. It can be stressful, but very um, rewarding. Before the parents leave, I always tell them, I will take great care of your baby tonight. When the ticket was read, I was shocked and surprised. My heart was racing. <laughs> there was questions of why me? Why did I get this ticket? I remember that night when I was going to my going to bed, my husband's like, why are you smiling? And I'm like, I, I was just excited to see what the week had in store for me. Just to think that someone could be praying for me right now meant a lot just made me feel really blessed and I was more aware of my surroundings even though it was just my normal routine week there was just a sense of calming and peace and happiness that I felt throughout the week and that affected I know my kids my husband and my co-workers my name is Pam Mitchell and my ticket is 560-589. I am Jesse's mom, and he is like everybody's favorite. Jesse is 38 years old. He's Down syndrome. 
He is a delight of my life. When I saw that the ticket was mine, I was a little bit in disbelief, but excited because I've never had that many people pray for me. I had found a ticket on the floor, and I also had a ticket in my hand. So when the ticket number was called, I wasn't sure which ticket it was, if it was the one I found on the floor or the one I had in my hand. I didn't feel worthy. I don't know how anyone can deserve that much prayer from that many people concentrated at one time. God started to talk to me, um, give me little messages that said, you are enough just the way you are. I want to thank all of you for praying for me. I mean, I was overwhelmed and so grateful that all of you were taking any time at all to pray for me, and I felt so uplifted. The things that are burdening my heart for so long, they've moved. I've seen amazing things. So thank you. I just want to thank everyone who thought of me this week and prayed for this ticket. I'm so thankful and, and that is why I framed this. God revealed all these little blessings that I had that I, would, that I take for granted every day. So thank you for praying for me. That's their evidence. I want to give you some of mine now. You see, they're not used to what it's like to have people praying for them. As a pastor, I am. I want to tell you a story about my evidence. Years ago, as a pastor, there was a group of guys who had decided that they were going to pray for me and a bunch of other pastors, and they committed to praying for five things for us, and I'm not going to go into what those five things were. But every Sunday, these this group of guys would come up to me, and on the sly, they would give me a hug, or they'd shake my hand, and they would slip into my hand a nickel, and it would represent the five things. This five cents would represent the five things that they were praying for me. So at the end of a, a Sunday, I would get home, and I'd empty out my pockets, and I'd set down on the counter four or five nickels. I tell you, that, man, it just made me feel so good to know that these guys were praying for me. I could tell. I could feel it. There were some Sundays where I didn't have any nickels. And I could tell that they weren't praying for me. But over time, they continued and they were disciplined to continue to pray. And it made such a difference in my life. Well, a guy who had started and initiated the whole thing one Sunday came up to me. and He walks up to me and he gives me this roll of nickels here. And I looked at him and I said, Ray, what's, what's up with this? He says, Matt, I went to my doctor. I've got cancer. I'm going to die. I just don't know how soon it's going to be, but I want you to know something. He, even after I'm dead, I want you to know I'm still praying for you. Ray did die, but I know he still is. I know it. 
And some of you might be thinking, dude, you're a freak. I don't believe you. I don't care if you think I'm a freak or not. I am. But I want you to believe me. And I have a way that I hope will work. And I want you to join an experiment with me. So here's what I'm asking you to do. Today, as you were walking in, you were handed a little rubber bracelet that says Team East Point on it. That's a part of our experiment today. I'm asking you to wear that bracelet, but only on this condition. And if you don't accept this condition, fine. You can still keep the bracelet. I don't care. But I want you to commit. And here's what I want you to commit to. I want you to put it on, and when you do, I want you to commit to praying as often as you see it. If you put it on, great. Put it someplace where you're going to see it a lot. If you're not going to put it on, put it on your rearview mirror. Put it on your bathroom counter. Put it someplace where you can see it. And every time you see that, I want you to pray for Team East Point. And when you pray, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be praying for me. You're going to be praying for all the staff. And boy, do we need it. I can't tell you how many times we, we hang our heads and we think, God, if you don't show up, if you don't do something, we're smoked. We, we don't have enough strength to make it. We don't have enough money to make it. We don't, have enough, we don't have enough brilliance and creativity to make it. God, we need you to do something here. So I want you to pray for our staff. I want you to pray for all of our volunteers, all those people who greeted you at a door, all those people who are working back in Adventureland, all those people who are on the platform this morning doing the worship. All the people who are wearing shirts like me are a part of our Guatemala missions team. Guys, I want you to know something, that without all those volunteers, we don't make it. We don't have a church. Over 75% of the work that gets done here gets done by people who don't get paid. And those who do get paid, we don't make it in this world, folks. We don't get rich in the ministry. We need your prayer. All of our volunteers need your prayer. Would you please pray? Would you please join this experiment and see if it works? And when you put this on, I want you also to know that you're, you're a part of that team, East Point, which means that as you're praying for that team, and so is everybody else, you're getting prayed for too. You want to see if it works? Do you really? Because on July 7th, I'm going to be preaching again. And between now and then, I hope to find some people that the power of prayer has worked in their life. And I'd like to provide some more evidence and I just don't know who exactly that's going to be in this room yet. But somebody in here is going to have their world blown up by God because they're praying. And for the first time, they have invested into it, even if it was on an experiment. I'm asking you to pray. On August 4th, after I come back from my Guatemala mission trip, I'm going to conclude this little experiment. And I'm going to find out whether or not we got enough evidence to prove that the power of prayer works. And I hope you'll be a part of that experiment. Again, you don't, you don't want to be a part of it? Fine. Leave the bracelet at the door or wear it out so you don't feel embarrassed. I don't care. I really don't. I just want people to pray. I want to see people's lives blown up. So that's what my prayer is for you. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, I need you to do what only you can do. Lord, this is now two services. I have stood up here and I have tried my best in the best way I know how to communicate a message. Lord, I know that you could have gotten anybody else to do this message, Lord. 
There are lots of people who are better communicators than what I am. But you put it on my heart to do this, Lord. And so I'm just trying to be faithful. But Lord, I cannot do this without your Holy Spirit to do a work in the lives of people. You're the only one who can transform people, Lord. Not creative fancy words. Not songs. Not videos designed to be able to pull at someone's heartstrings. Lord, I need you to do a work in the, inside of the hearts of these people in such a way that they are changed. And you're the only one who can do that. Lord, I so desperately want to be a part of that. I so desperately want to see you do such a work inside of a, a group of people that a, that a church changes and a, and a community changes and a city changes. But for that to happen, Lord, you've got to change each and every one of us individually. Would you, would you please do that, Lord? You're the only one who can. And I know that there are people who are sitting in this room right now saying, I want to be a part of this, but I don't know how. You told me the how, talked to God and mean it, but I don't know what to say. If that's you, I'm going to offer up some simple words to start you off. You don't have to copycat the words, make them your own. The important thing is, what, what is your heart saying? So let me give you an example of what that prayer would look like. God, I give up. I give in. I want to be a part of this. And so I surrender over to you my life. Will you change it? Will you do something with it? Will you fill me? Whatever it is that you do, will you do that in me? Will you change this person? Wipe away my sin. I want that. Take it all away. Help me to pray to you and know that you respond. Help me to believe in the power of prayer. Make this real for me. And if that's your prayer, even right now maybe what you're feeling, it's the Holy Spirit invading your life. That's a good feeling, isn't it? God bless us. You've already blessed us so much, but bless us again with an awareness of your presence. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The ushers are going to pass around uh, offering bags. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to sing through this last song, and as we do, please pay attention to the words. I know it might be distracting with offering bags moving around. I'm sorry for that, but would you please pay attention to these words? After this song, I'm going to come back up, and I'm going to dismiss this, but please make this song a part of your, your continued prayer. Today, before you leave, I want to remind you of a couple of things. One, we have uh, communion available at both sides of the room. If you're interested in taking that today... Uh, individually or as a family, please feel free to do so. After the service, if you need prayer, make your way forward where other people are making their way back. Also, we have new believer packets today. You made that prayer your own. Grab one of those new believer packets. Take that home. There's some stuff to get you started. Talk to me. I'd love to, to know about it. And, and also, I'd like to say to you the same thing that God said to Pam. You're enough. You're enough. God bless you guys, man. Hopefully you'll pray. Love you guys. Hope to see you next week.